So I want to show you somebody that may not be smiling. You might recognize this guy. You know his phrase, you're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. He's not guaranteeing it anymore. Uh, George Zimmer, founder, CEO, and face and voice of Men's Warehouse, was fired this week. <laughs> There's a gasp. A men's Warehouse has given no reason for his departure, but in the last several months, George Zimmer has been complaining to the board of directors about the direction that the Men's Warehouse is going. And so his words are that the board has chosen to silence my concerns through the termination as an executive officer. So as I look at this and what's out in the press, I've come to the conclusion that the family of Men's Warehouse does not like the way they look right now. I guarantee it. <laughs> See, the issue is this. It's going to happen to everybody who's part of a family, a community, a tribe, that there are going to be those moments of friction, of disappointment, of disagreements, of frustrations, where we even try to terminate each other in our own little special ways. We've been looking at a letter written in the first century by James, the bishop of Jerusalem and the brother of Jesus. He's writing to Christ followers who have scattered throughout the eastern side of the Mediterranean due to very harsh persecution. And they discovered that the aggression that they felt in their old home is actually awaiting them in their new home. Now, in the game of chess, it is the person's duty playing to try to aggressively invade the home of the opponent. With aggressive moves, they move in and try to capture the king because if you can capture the king, the word you use when you've done that is what? Checkmate. They have no more moves. You have moved in, you've taken their home, you've invaded their home, and now you own the kingdom. James, in his writings to his friends and, and those he has tried to pastor in Jerusalem, in his writing, he's trying to give them information that they will grasp about the moves that they should make to block the aggression that's coming from the outside, and especially the aggression that may begin to come from the inside during this harsh persecution. So he gives them those moves, and we've been looking at those moves for several weeks, and those moves have included painful moves, avoiding tempting moves, discipline moves, mercy moves, faith moves, controlled moves, and today he brings us to wise moves, because getting along takes wisdom. So I want to help you understand that if, if you go into the scripture and you read the Apostle Paul, if you read his stuff, you're going to read lots of really long sentences with really deep theological base. When you read James, what you're getting is James saying, you got the theology, let me show you what that theology looks like when you put skin on it. So when you hear James and you read what James has to say, you don't necessarily come away from his reading going, wow. But what you do, when you come out of it, you go, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. So let's pick up where we left off last week. James, the third chapter, the 13th verse. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. 
See, last week, James has already addressed how we should speak to one another. Now he's talking about how we should live around one another. Because we live by our embraced wisdom, what we think is wise dictates how we act. So how do you tell if it's good wisdom? Divine wisdom is genuine. I once thought that I found a really great deal on a leather chair. I was about ready to buy it, and I began to investigate it further, and, and then I noticed this, that on the front of the chair was genuine leather. As I began to check the sides and the back, I checked the tag, and it was genuine leatherette. Not the same. Leatherette does not wear as well as genuine leather. James is saying, if you're followers of Jesus, I want to show you what it is to be a genuine Christian, a Christ follower, not a Christianette. Because Christianettes don't wear as well as genuine Christians. So how do we know the difference? The genuine wise live good behavior. The actual wording there for good behavior actually means to return or go back. And, and, and the idea here, the root idea, is for us to change or return back to the truth of God's word, to go back there. And this is difficult for us in our culture because we have become a culture who believes that we can pick and choose what the truth is because truth is, is, is relative. And so I like that part in the scripture that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I like this whole idea of Jesus dying on the cross, forgiving me for my sins, and I spend forever with Jesus. That is a great thing. I like that one. I like that, ask and it shall be given unto you. I like that thing. I'm not so good with love your enemy. So I'm not sure I want that one. I'm not sure that I like that, the, the, the first shall be last. I'm not sure I like that one. And I'm, and I'm not sure I like the one about you can't have sex outside of covenant marriage. So I'm not sure that I really, really want to hang on to those. Wisdom understands what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 29. He said, you turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like clay. Shall what is formed say to him who formed it, he did not make me? Can the pot say of the potter, he knows nothing? Wisdom says, God is the potter. I am the clay. Wisdom says, that we are made in his image, not we make him in the culture's image. Wisdom is a lifestyle that Jesus would live today in our culture. And James says, this is what it looks like. The genuine wise provide gentle action. The word that we read in the scripture earlier that word gentle, actually, we read it as meek. And we have in our minds, in our culture, the wrong picture of, of meek. We, we have a picture like this. Let's see if we can put that up there for you. That's what we think meek is. Oh, man, I'm just getting stepped all over. I'm just, I've lost my rights. I, just, I, have to, I can't do anything. I'm just a wimp. And that's not at all the description of the word that is used by James. The picture actually should look like this. 
that we have this massive strength, but in that strength, so under control that we can take that which is weaker or valuable and not hurt it. That we have this King Kong strength, because the scripture says that the power that lifted Christ from the grave is in you. Now, please, please, please stop and think about that. That which elevated Jesus out of the grave is resident within you, and you have the power to control it. Wisdom has very little to do with IQ, but it has everything to do with saying, okay, Jesus, how would you live this life? I will live it, and I will keep my life under control. That's what wears well. That is wisdom. James says the opposite is not true. You see, human wisdom is counterfeit. That word counterfeit is actually a French word. It means two words. It comes from two words. It means against and to make. It simply means to refuse to be made into the original. It's leatherette. It doesn't wear well. And James says this in James 3, 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. See, up front, it may seem genuine, but it's false. Because here's what happens. The unwise close off. He says, I want, I want you to understand that, that this, this, this wisdom that comes from humanity comes with a bitter jealousness. And, and jealousness is not the same thing as envy. Envy is having nothing in your hands and mourning the fact that you don't have more. That's envy. Jealousy is having full hands and being threatened that someone's going to take what you have. And because you feel that way, because we feel that way, we close people off from us. Because we think they're going to take our place, they're going to take our job, they're going to take our position, they're going to take my benefits, they're going to take my friends. So I seal them off. We become suspicious of people. What do they really want? We become resistant to being with them. We're given to territorialism. We've got our own territory, and you're not invited in because I'm not sure I can trust you, and I will lose something in the process. So we build these walls around us, and we have rivalries. I'll get it before you get it. I have a friend who was, was up for a district job, and everybody knew that he was going to get that job. The guy that had the job had resigned, and at the same moment, coincidentally, there was a new CEO being hired, and when he came in, he did not hire my friend, but he hired a guy that had worked with him where he had come from, a guy that nobody ever expected to have that position. My friend was amazing because what he did is that he didn't close off. In fact, what he did is he went to the guy who got the job that he was supposed to get. And he said, I'm here to support you, whatever you need. He said, here are all my files that I've collected for this job. Here's all the files. Here's everything I know. And whatever you're going to do, let me be part of it because I will help you. I will help resource you. And I will be your greatest supporter, which he was. And that guy became a success. So my friend didn't get the job in the district. But in that year, the national headquarters watched what happened. And they called him and said, you're the kind of guy we want up here. And he then transferred to the national headquarters. See, if, if Jesus said this, Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Seek first my wisdom and the way to live life. Seek that first. All these things will be given to you as well. So it's simply this. 
that whatever God wants you to have, nobody can take it from you. There is no way that, that he's going to be able to, anybody's going to be able to remove it from you. I've always said that somebody else's poor choices will not, God, will not stop God's best for you. If we walk in that wisdom and not close ourselves off. We have this tendency, the unwise want to push up, want to go to the top. It's called selfish ambition. I want to be seen. I want to be quoted. I want to be respected. And quite frankly, that will wear us out. In my mind, I picture it as Black Friday at Best Buy. You open those doors and get out of the way because everybody wants the same stuff. How much greater would it be if you had a manager in the store who said, here, come through this side door. I'll let you in and we'll go straight to the thing you want and give it to you. See, selfish ambition says, I got to get this before somebody else does. And so we fight, we claw, we do what we need to get there first. But listen to what Jesus said to the church at Philadelphia. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who was holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that what? No one can shut. The wise allow God to open the doors and don't try to kick them in. Because what God opens for you, nobody can shut. Nobody. And let me warn you that whatever God shut to you, you can't open. The wise don't push up. Instead, they trust in. It's because the unwise are unstable. George Zimmer said, you're going to like the way you work, what's the rest of it? Or the way you look, what's the rest of it? I guarantee it. But he's not there, so what happens if you buy something there and you don't like the way you look? There's no guarantee. Our wisdom is based upon what we think is guaranteed. We act upon what we think is guaranteed. And here's the problem from the wisdom that is not from God. James goes on and says this, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Okay, so let's, let's pretend that you and your family this next week head to Disney World in Orlando. You show up and they take you in and, 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 and you're not even sure what's going on, but you just whiz right by a bunch of stuff and you end up at Pirates of the Caribbean in the Magic Kingdom. Big thing. You've never seen anything like this in your life. What an incredible ride. It's just this whole culture of pirates. You're just loving it. You're getting the lingo down, and and you're talking like this all the time. It's just, it's great. You you go look for a hook, because you just, you love this thing. And and so you say to the family, this is so great. This is Disneyland. This is it. And, And so you spend three days at Pirates of the Caribbean, crowding in, trying to get the seat, trying to get the ride, finding food around there, and you're just having a great time, and now you're trying to get as much you can out of Pirates of the Caribbean because that's what you know. You've experienced Pirates of the Caribbean, and you say, that's Disney World. Finally, somebody comes to you, and they give you a map. 
You go, whoa. You see, there, there are 36 other attractions just in Magic Kingdom. That's not even mentioning Epcot and the 47 square miles there, twice the size of Manhattan. James says, if you think that the only thing you've got in front of you and are experiencing is all there is and you're fighting for that, you think on an earthly level. See, the unspiritual can't see the map. The spiritual, he said, see God's map. They understand the words. The scripture that said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. He said, you see that. You say, oh, it's much bigger than I thought. I don't have to fight for this because God has such a broader plan for me. To think that way, James says, is demonic. He's already told us that the demons believe in God, just like you do, and they get goosebumps. They shudder. Ooh, he's real. But they still tried to fight for what they thought was their only territory in heaven, and God kicked them out, these fallen angels. And now they're here on earth, and they said, we're going to fight for this, and we all have that same attitude. We're going to fight for this job, and this thing, and this place, and this house, and, and this car, and, and this thing. We're going to have just this thing. That's what I'm going to fight for. And when we do that, James says what happens is this. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. That we will fight and scratch and beat and do what we need to do to get that thing and use whatever vile way we need to to justify what we're doing. When in reality, those who are wise understand this, that God will open up a door to a place we didn't even know existed. It's on the map and we didn't even see it. And he says, here, let me put you in this place with these people, with this thing. You didn't even know it was there because I'm taking you there as you trust me and walk with me. That wears well, that's wisdom. So he says, if you get that, if you really understand that, if you really trust God and walk in that wisdom, then you don't have to fight against people and you don't have to scratch and bleed to get what you need. Instead, he says, this is what you will look like. He says in verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. I'm gonna walk through these next couple points pretty quick because I wanna land on two major, major points that he makes. But he said, I want you to start with that which is first, because you'll get the rest from that. And he said, I want you to be pure. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We talked about that last week, so I want you to go back and listen to that podcast, how we filter through what we do through this purity of heart. Purity describes the spirit that filters everything through God's joy. He said, then when that happens, you will be a person of peace. You'll be slow to defend or quarrel or defend ourselves. We are peace promoting. Now, let me, let me focus you in two spots. He said you're also going to be gentle and open to reason. Gentleness is written specifically for those in authority. How many of you are in some kind of authority position? Even as a, as a dad or a mom. Even as a wife who bosses her husband around. Just raise your hand. Okay. 
This is written for you. The open to reason is written for somebody who is under authority. How many people are under authority? Everybody should raise their hands because we all are. Under authority is the opposite of being stubborn. It simply means this, that we are easy to work with. It is to be open, conciliatory, yielding, not having continuous resistance. You're just, you're, just, you're okay. It's wisdom sees the big picture and says, you know, that's really not worth fighting for. When Pam and I first moved here, a little over 18 years ago, we went with a group from this church to Tanzania. We went there to help build a building. And, and so we're in Tanzania, and we're staying in this, this housing unit that's run by Catholic nuns. And they were just really wonderful to us. They were great. They would give us, you know, they had some food for us in the morning, some hard-boiled eggs and some, some toast and then, or some bread. I think it might have been toast. It could have just been stale bread, but it was. And, and, then, and then marmalade with ants in it, but, you know, you do what you got to do. And so they were just wonderful to us. And, and we had been there, and it was hot and humid, much like it feels in this room right now. And about four days in, they said, you know, we'll do your laundry for you. Oh, it'd be great because we're just sweating like crazy. So we all take our laundry to these wonderful, these nuns, and, and they take our laundry. And we come back after a long, hot day, and, and there's all our laundry. It's all folded, but it's all mixed together. So here we are, mixed men and women. we got to go through everything, including our undergarments. And whose is this? And so here we go. <laughs> not the way I'd have done it. I, it's not the way that I'd organize that. Now, in addition to that, when they washed our clothes, they washed the dark and the light together. So all the white was pink, including the men's undergarments. <laughs> Women had no problem with the pink. The guys had a little bit of problem with the pink. But nobody complained, even because it's not the way we'd have done it. But we're easy to work with because here's what we saw. We saw in these ladies their heart. Nobody complained. Not only did we see the heart, we counted them as part of our team, and we were working this together. Now contrast that with, and I told you this story after Pam and I came back from sabbatical. We were staying at a place on the Oregon coast and went to find a laundromat on the coast, to find a laundromat, and we, Pam threw our clothes in, and we're sitting there, and they buzzed, and Pam said, can you move those to the dryer? And so I went and, and see, I had this favorite white sweatshirt. It was, people said it looked good on me, and then when they say that, you want to keep the sweatshirt. So I had this really cool sweatshirt. I just loved this sweatshirt. I wore it all the time. I pulled it out. It was pink. I said, Pam. She said, oh, you look good in pink. I said, Pam. And then she tried to, tried to make it better. She said, just throw it in the dryer and shrink it, and I'll wear it. Pam. And then, I, and, then, and then I was not easy to work with. She who had been in charge of the laundry, I said to her, how long have you been doing laundry? <laughs> See, that's not a good thing unless you really want to do your own for a year. <laughs> See, the issue is this. What I should have done is look at her heart. Because she is so good to me. And I should have remembered we're on the same team. He said, if you really feel that God's going to open doors for you and put you in places that you never thought about because he'll put you there and he's got control, then, then you can work with people easy. 
We're easy to work with, and we temper justice with mercy. The word gentle that we use in this verse now is very different from the one in verse 13. And it's described very well by William Barclay, who says, the man who is epaikis is the man who knows when it's actually wrong to apply the strict letter of the law. He knows how to forgive when strict justice gives him a perfect right to condemn. He knows how to make allowances and when not to stand upon his rights, how to temper justice with mercy, always remembers that there are greater things in the world than rules and regulations. It is the ability to extend to others the kindly consideration we would wish to receive ourselves. That's gentleness. So here's a true story. Bob was a quarterback on a football team in a football town. Not quite as large as Erie PA, but Erie's really into its sports. And, this, and this, these people in Texas are really, really, really into their football team. And this guy is the quarterback, and he's good. So he's well-known through the community. He's also well-known because he and his mom and dad and, and siblings are well-known for their following of Jesus. They've been very clear about that and have lived that life the way they should. Much like we read earlier, where they're following the teachings of, of God, his truth. So the football team wins the conference championship. And the team goes out to celebrate, and Bob, not paying attention to what he's doing, gets himself involved in the revelry of the night and ends up drunk with a bunch of his friends and gets arrested. It's all over the paper the next day. The team players have been arrested, and they've been arrested for underage drinking and public drunkenness. So now he's in the jail cell waiting for his parents to come get him. It's, it's getting about 4 or 5 in the morning now, and, and, and he is just sweating it because he knows. He knows, first of all, he, he horribly embarrassed his parents and the, and the coach in the school. He knows that his parents are not going to be happy. He knows that he's broken their hearts. And he knows that he's shamed the life that he had lived up to this point. He knows the, the pain that he's, he knows it's, it's, it's hurting deep inside. And he's just scared of what his parents are going to say. His parents show up to the jail. They, they get him out. It's about 4.30 now, almost 5. And, and they get him in the car, and he slides into the back seat. And they haven't said a word yet. They just brought him out. The silence is deafening. And finally, his dad clears his throat, and he says, glad you're okay. Now waiting for the blast, instead the son hears him say, because the father understanding the remorse, the son, knowing the son the way he knows him, knowing the remorse that he's gone through in those hours in that jail cell, the next words his father speaks are simply these, what do you say we go get breakfast? That was it. Because his father knew what he needed. And what he needed was gentleness. It's like Jesus saying to the disciples, if you deny me on earth, I'll deny you in heaven. And one of his best friends, Peter, denies him how many times? Three times. And what does Jesus do after he dies and rises again? He takes Peter out to breakfast. And he doesn't say to him, dude, you crossed the line. He didn't say, you have so horribly embarrassed me. 
He didn't say, promise me, promise me, you'll never, ever do this again. He just simply said, I need you to really love me because the destiny I have for you will blow your socks off. Blow your socks off is in the original Greek. (laughs) See, that looks right. That's how we can act when we have this wisdom from God. And James says this then, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. That's wisdom. And if we do that, we're going to like the way we look. I guarantee it. Would you stand? So now may you walk in the wisdom of the Almighty. May your faith grow this week that you can trust that he will open doors for you as you trust and live by his word. May he put you in places you never imagined. May you see the map he has for you. May you not shrink down to fight for that which is so earthly. But may you expand now into all the kingdom that he's prepared for you. And in doing so, may you live life with gentleness and be easy to live with and work for. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.